0: Welcome to the Question Community Broadcast. The Question is a new disruptive community that provides a gathering place for those who wonder about our complex selves, our complex world, our complex universe. We are a non-religious and inclusive community that explores the many questions surrounding truth in order to encourage you on the important journey to find your own answers. The Question community gathers every third Sunday evening at Redbush Tea and Coffee Company in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary, starting at 7. Information on the community is available at our website, www.thequestion.ca. You can also join the community online at our Facebook page, which is The Question, and on Twitter, at TQCOM with two M's. You're now going to hear some highlights from our community gathering where the question is asked through original arts and music as well as thought provoking presentations. This is Shannon McGee.
1: What happened to our hearts? They used to-
0: This is Frederick Tomagi.
2: And not because I just discovered thankfulness uh, for this community. It's, it's significant because it's based on the very principles that inspired the question community in the first place. So thank you for challenging me this past month and reminding me of why we believe we should be here. Now, without sharing the whole manifesto, and there is a manifesto for sure that launched our journey close to two years ago now, I'll just share three words taken right from our website. These three words express how some of you challenged me during the holidays, and then how others motivated me to emerge afterward, a more enlightened and determined question. Now The three words are cynicism, provocation, and illumination. Now, after our last presentation, do we have a compass, which was kind of epic and by some reports way too long, there was a reaction. At first, I had an inner reaction that caused me to think at a minimum what just happened. And at a maximum, why are we even doing this? Then there was an outer reaction from community members, starting with, well, cynicism. The details of the cynicism would be a great discussion for another time. But for tonight, let's just say that I was provoked into cynicism myself. And then provoked to ask yet again, why are we even doing this? Now, this was my inner reaction to that question, speaking those three words and three-word answers. Why are we even doing this? Well, my reaction was to be cynics, to be provocateurs, to be illuminators. Now, really, I thought, can we really be all of those things? So your cynicism about the presentation started it all. Then I was provoked into the deeper question of purpose beyond the presentation. And then, as others shared their provocations with me, quite unexpectedly, I was shocked into, well, illumination. Not once, but twice, I learned of your provocations, more or less stated something like this. You know, Fred, since the last gathering, I have not been able to stop thinking about my compass. Cynicism, provocation, illumination, they all live here together because they must live together, like some kind of dysfunctional, philosophical family. Now, all of us can certainly relate to family dysfunction. It's one of of the ways that we know that our own family is not populated by cardboard cutouts, but by real people. In the same way, you all helped me to realize that without cynicism, provocation, and illumination, all dysfunctioning together, we run the risk of settling for cardboard cutout answers instead of real questions that could actually change our lives. Now, you all know by now that I generally open our gathering with the phrase, we have an intention to disrupt. Well, I want to thank this dysfunctional family for intentionally disrupting me and resetting my compass. You all know who you are who did this. Now, after last month's presentation, some of you may or may not have started exploring the question of your own compass. I imagine that some of you may still be questioning whether our alleged compass is anything more than just another lazy metaphor for common sense or uncommon intuition. I also know because you've told me that some of you have already gone beyond this metaphor. Like I said, it's important that we all dysfunction together in order to ask the best questions that could actually change our lives. So for that reason, we're not quite finished with the compass question, and I hope to encourage even more dysfunction tonight. (coughs) So I began last month with an introduction to the actual compass. It's a simple ancient device made of natural magnetic material mounted in free suspension to interact with the awesome power of the Earth's electromagnetic field. Now, whether it's a fourth-century Chinese lodestone compass or a modern-day magnetometer, the principles of the compass are universal, they're enduring, and surprisingly, they're deeply philosophical. Now, the compass represents to us the essential power of electromagnetism, the ability to navigate through the unknown, and our confidence in the existence of true north. I then move from the actual compass to describing how our society has attempted to articulate the human compass, if there is one. Remember these from last month? Personal compass is a blueprint or a mission that can be engineered or created by us based on what we want or where we want to go. The moral compass, everyone's familiar with this one, is one's ability or natural feeling to judge right and wrong and act accordingly based on morals and virtues. Now, those morals and virtues can be ours or they can be somebody else's. The inner compass, well, the inner compass, it's our gut, it's our intuition, it's our inner knowing, it's our instinct, it's feelings, it's heart, it's conscience, it's God, or it's not any of these or any definition of ourselves. One inner compass guru put it this way, you know, you are just a mirror for the unfolding manifestation of life that has very little anything to do with you. You're just a mirror. So my hope for last month was to encourage you to explore the possible existence of your own compass. Now what actually happened was the inspiring dysfunction that I described earlier. I was inspired to explore this question in a completely different way to which I will attach the very same hope. So how about it? Have you ever created a personal compass or a personal mission for yourself? Anyone? Are you following or struggling with a moral compass that's been created for you? Have you identified your gut, your feelings, your conscience, your heart, your God? Anything else or nothing at all as your inner compass? Or do you still think that your compass is only another lame excuse for wishing you knew what to do or where to go in your life? Now, regardless of which compass group you think you're in, including the compass deniers, if there are some, I want to drop this new, more down-to-earth question on you. Did you know that there's evidence, well-accepted scientific evidence, that numerous species of animals have an actual biological compass built into their bodies? Now, everyone has heard the miraculous navigational skills of homing pigeons and migratory salmon, sea turtles, dolphins, honeybees, monarch butterflies, and many other animals. We've also heard stories of missing family pets. I don't know if Charlie's ever done this, but miraculously returning to their homes from many miles away, sometimes after weeks or even months. Even much simpler creatures like fruit flies and worms, termites, and even some types of bacteria have been proven to possess remarkable geonavigation and orientation abilities. Scientists have studied these animals for decades, learning how such impressive navigational feats are possible. Hard scientific research has concluded that these amazing examples of living compasses are a result of various naturally occurring abilities, like these. Some animals practice solar positioning. They have both active and genetic memories. So, for example, for landmarks, for smells, for noises and colors. Some sea creatures practice hydrodynamic reception specific sensitivity to different types of underwater waves. A lot of animals have multidimensional vision, okay, both in acuity and analysis. Some animals measure time and distance and can easily measure time and distance using their abilities. Now, there are some animals that utilize a single navigational tool and still others are able to combine and synergize multiple tools. For example, each year the famous monarch butterfly migrates over 3,000 miles From Canada and the northern U.S. to Florida and Mexico for the winter and then returns north for the spring and summer covering another 3,000 miles. Now this remarkable species accomplishes the long journey through the use of two coordinated biocontrol mechanisms. One mechanism is based on timekeeping clock neurons in their antenna. The other mechanism is a set of azimuth neurons in their eyes. Now azimuth is a navigational term for the position of a point in the sky relative to magnetic north. In the monarch butterfly, these azimuth neurons in their eye monitors the position of the sun. The ongoing coordination of antenna-based flight timing and visually-based solar positioning keeps the butterfly's epic course inherent. It's pretty amazing. Okay, solar positioning, genetic memory, hydrodynamics, visual intelligence, neural timekeeping. All of these are living examples of compass in the animal kingdom. Now I did save one last example of compass, one last natural tool, which might point our discussion further along the path, our own path to truth. One remarkable common denominator shared by many of the world's most remarkable animal navigators is the discovery of biogenic magnetite deposits in their anatomy. Biogenic means biologically produced, okay? Now, you might remember that lodestone, which is a form of magnetite, was the key component of the ancient compass because of its inherent electromagnetic properties. Magnetite ore was long thought to be an exclusively geological phenomenon produced in the heat and the pressure of the Earth. But in the 1990s, scientists were able to detect trace elements of biogenic magnetite in a diverse group of living organisms, ranging from simple bacteria to insects to fish, to amphibians, to birds, to mammals. The presence of magnetite, now a known biological phenomenon, has supported other important research into animal navigation. It's now confirmed that biogenic magnetite enables animals to interact with the Earth's magnetic field, just like the compass, not finished yet. The same science that detected biogenic magnetite in navigating animals has also been detected in the human brain uh, and other structures, including our nasal ethmoid bone. It's right here. The ethmoid bone structure has corollaries in migratory birds, their beaks, fish, their snouts, and numerous other mammals. It's now well known that these magnetite-infused noses are the medium for these animals' interaction with the Earth's magnetic field. Now, did any of you know that we humans share this primordial compass with homing pigeons and dolphins? Do any of you wonder why we have additional deposits of magnetite in our brains?
0: This is part one of this presentation. Part two will be continued in the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in joining the Question community, we meet every third Sunday evening at Redbush Tea and Coffee Company in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary starting at 7. You can participate in the online discussion on our Facebook page, which is The Question, or on Twitter at TQCOM. That's at T-Q-C-O-M-M. Our website is www.thequestion.ca. Thanks again for listening and remember that our answers are only possible because of our questions.